Welcome to Action's Antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. Those of you who have listened to some of my earlier episodes know that I have a strong interest in community. Everywhere I go around me, I see the results of the lack of community. When I look at some of these horrible outcomes, such as depression, anxiety, drug addiction, suicide, and violence, I see the results of loneliness, isolation, and lack of community. And oftentimes, When people think about community, they think about the community that we once had. And one of the things that I often struggle with, with this vision of community is that it seems sometimes to require some of the restrictiveness that we had in last century. A lot of people will tell me, well, the only time I really had community is when I had a rigid nine to five, Monday through Friday, everyone in the office work schedule. And that's something that our society is most definitely moving away from and there's some definite mental health benefits to us moving toward a more flexible, more fluid kind of work schedule. So that's why I'm hoping to find a whole new way to approach and find community and was pleasantly surprised about a couple months ago when I first attended a group known as the Elevated Results Group or the Elevated Results Network. I hopped on a Zoom call because everything is remote here during the pandemic. The first thing I noticed was that the members or frequent guests that were talking amongst each other actually seemed to have a genuine community-like understanding of each other's lives, the kind of community where you can walk up to someone and you don't have to always be on or always be playing catch up. You actually are saying, oh, how did fill in the blank, whatever your latest endeavor go? So Today, I have as my guest the leader of this group, and she's actually been the leader of this group for, I think, seven years now, Tracy Card, the leader of the Elevated Results Networking Group. Tracy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. Appreciate it. Without a doubt. And so obviously, the first question I had on my mind is, how did you go about getting this community? And I know you inherited it in 2014 from another former leader, but how does this community Revolve. How does it work? How do people stay in the so in the know in each other's lives? Thank you so much for asking about this group. I do love it very much, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader since 2014, and it is a community. It really is. That's a great word for it. We do know each other's lives. We care about each other's, not only personal lives, but definitely in their business life. How can we help each other succeed, expand each other's circles of influence? It's a little bit different. It's actually a lot different from many other groups. I was the same way when I first met this group that you felt, and I just knew this is my home. And it's just a a different feel. There's a lot of ways that we are different from other networking groups. The group is very engaged. One way that I can share with you is our attendance policy. You know, all Mm -hmm. networking groups have, you know, you need to come or you maybe need to send a substitute if you can't come. That is not our policy at all. We want our members to be there. Mm -hmm. Anything else comes up that morning before the meeting, go and take care of that. We'll be here for you when you come back next time. Send a substitute. Our relationship is with the member. We really want our members to be there. And we have a great attendance every meeting, but it's not required. And that's probably part of why we have a great attendance. That is fantastic. And one of the questions I often have is, That whole not required kind of hints at the point I made at the very beginning of this broadcast, which is a lot of people think that that requirement is what's necessary. I found my community when we all had to be at the office Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. every day. So how does that not requirement translate into people still being engaged and still people showing up? Like your typical member 
I think it's every two weeks are the Thursday morning meetings. Your typical yeah. member, how often do they miss these meetings? How often do they make it? And does it often happen where they'll skip enough meetings where the relationships start to falter a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so the reason people come, I think, is because the philosophy, underlying philosophy of this group is relationships come first and then leads will follow. We obviously encourage one-on-ones. We encourage people to introduce each other to people that are going to help them in their business, encourage leads to be shared, close business to be accomplished. But the relationships happen first. And it's not a hard and fast rule that I've also seen other groups that in your first meeting, you can't even talk about anything business. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) We're not setting a bunch of rules. We have a great foundation. We support our members with a great environment, with a great meeting. Every meeting has a great presentation. And members obviously get a lot out of it because we probably have about 80% attendance at every meeting. Hmm. There are times when we have a member that we haven't seen in a while. Maybe they've gotten busy. They think maybe they're too busy for us. That does happen. (laughs) They get too many leads and then they can't network with us anymore. But we just check on them. Are you okay? Is everything all right? Is there anything we can do for you to help you get through this? We hope that you're still wanting to be active. Of course, our dues are collected quarterly too. So we know pretty quickly if someone is not interested in continuing, Mm -hmm. they can pay for the whole year too, if they want to. And our dues are very, very low. So we also don't collect a lot of money. We're not building a bank account or anything. We're just really collecting money to maintain the group and our meetup page and our website and things like that. A mistake I I feel a lot of people make both in forming networking groups as well as on the job in general is that they inadvertently replace an internal motivation with an external motivation. Obligatory attendance is an example. That's an external motivation. I've actually said a long time ago that I think that all of our grade schools and high schools should get rid of the perfect attendance award, for example, and even worked under bosses that have inadvertently made that replacement where it seems like here you're focusing on the member experience as far as, okay, I'm coming here because of what I'm getting out of it, not because it seems like some kind of obligation. And it seems to work really well. So I think that's a wonderful testament to what I feel is a fear-based response of starting to crank down on requirements, mandates in anywhere in life and saying, hold on a second. If someone's really enjoying the group, they're going to come. Yes. I think some people like maybe the more structured. And so that's great that there's those. Mm -hmm. That's not what we are. We're very successful in our group. Yeah. Yeah. Our members are very happy to be members. We have a waiting list Mm -hmm. to be a member. Oh, really? Great problem to have. Yes. Oh, I was actually unaware that there was a waiting list. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, that makes me feel special for getting through it. (laughs) You are special for sure. One of the other questions I wanted to ask about elevator results is a lot of people, when they think of networking and networking groups, they think of what was my initial networking experience, say three years ago, before I learned how to do it better, which is you come home with a stack of business cards, but then you never really form relationships with the people. Maybe you meet up for coffee once, or maybe you see them around from time to time, but they don't become someone who, as I observed when I first hopped on the elevator results knows about what's going on in your life and can quickly ask, oh, how is your latest initiative? How is your newest business? How are your push to market yourself to this particular demographic group? So what sets you apart from those type of groups? We do host events that are very welcoming. 
And I uh, can't wait until we can do those in person again. We've been doing those on Zoom. And I think everyone's a little <laughs> yeah. Zoom and ready to be back in person. And I'm hoping by this summer, maybe by our next quarterly event. But we're looking forward to that because it's just a great atmosphere. Those events attract a lot of people that have been to our events in the past and just know the quality of people that come to those events. They're not giant events. Maybe we might have 50, 60 people at those events. But it's large enough to where you've got a good mix of people, but small enough to where you can have great conversations with people and get to know them and not feel like, oh, I need to spend one minute with everyone, <laughs> hundred people. And then you're not getting any depth or anything there. So mm-hmm. you're not really getting to know anyone. And then when you do follow up, you're like, oh, I remember them. I remember their face. I remember what, what we talked about and not just, oh, what is this car? I don't even remember what this person looked like. You know, yeah. it's a different experience, I think. And I think it's a great one. That's amazing. And one thing I'm also wondering is as far as the membership and the people you have at your events, it seems like making this whole atmosphere happen requires to be some sort of control as to who you're bringing in and how does that whole thing work? (laughs) It's funny that you asked me that question because I do have at least one person in my life that doesn't speak to me anymore because I've asked them no longer to come to our event. Actually, two people that I've asked them not to come to our events because they were coming for not for business networking. Mm -hmm. One was a female coming there to meet possible dates. She was asking me, is that person married? It's like, you know what? I don't know. And that is not the appropriate question to be asking here. This networking event does not matter. (laughs) This is not for you. So please don't come back. And then another person was just coming there to have a happy hour and drinking too much and being inappropriate. So I have to be the police, I feel like, because I (laughs) make sure that our events are quality So I have to be the bad guy, but that's okay. There's a lot of so much value with this group I've found over the years. And there's not even a succession plan for me right now, but that's okay. I love it so much. It's, I want it to be in really great hands if there is ever a succession plan for me. You describe this as specifically a business networking group. Explain how that works. It's not necessarily B2B or B2C specifically, but it's a good combination of both. We have both on in our group, B2B and B2C focused businesses, but it's business related. You're not there to meet someone to date or something. So it's a different, that's not, it's not that. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about business networking and really expanding our circles of influence when it comes to, I'm maybe a residential real estate person comes and we have a person that does home inspections there. It's like, oh, I haven't met you before. Maybe you could help me in my business or insurance people that are there and with different facets of what they do and all kinds of great stuff. So through this network, have there been a lot of collaborative relationships that have formed? Absolutely. Yes. So we have power partners within the group for the B2B people, power partners within the group for the B2C people. So it's been a great atmosphere and lots of referrals leads are shared with those people that are power partners for sure. That's awesome. One question I have, and I might have personal reasons for this question, but each person comes into this network with their own business. What happens if someone changes line of business? Say you have a successful company and you exit, you take a few months off, and then you start pursuing a new idea. How does that work? Well, I have had people in the group change companies, but they're in the same industry because Mm -hmm. it really stays industry specific or kind of lane specific. We could have many different types of attorneys as long as they don't overlap in what they do. It's crystal clear who to refer business to within the group. That's why we do that. But I have had people leave one company and go to another same industry. They kept their spot because really Hmm. 
they're representing an industry, but if they're changing industries, I've also seen that happen. And maybe the new industry they're going to is already taken in the group by someone else. Then we lose them as a member, which is a bummer. But if we can have them in their new lane as a member, that would be amazing to keep them. That's awesome. And just to orient my audience, explain how these this lanes work and why the policy is the way it is. I think it's beneficial to the member to not be in a group with multiples within their same industry. So they are the only ones representing that industry. My example was attorneys. If we have a divorce attorney versus a business attorney, we have a business attorney in the group and he's amazing. We wouldn't want to have other business attorneys in the group, but we could have another attorney in a different family law or something would not be overlap to what he does. When I have a client that I say, oh, I bet you need to talk to an attorney that I know in business law then I know exactly who to refer them to. So you're allowed to have the flexibility. You have the experience that the member wants to have. The member wants to be there. And that keeps that attendance at 80%, learns generally about one another, but it does require that quality control. And given that this is a business networking group, what I'm wondering is, do you believe that the same formula or some similar formula could apply to personal networking if people were just trying to say, I'm just looking to make friends, whether it be the person looking for, oh, are they married or the person that just wants people to chill with? That's a great question. I don't really know how to answer that, except for I know that there's a lot of meetups that say, if you like to hike, or if you like, I don't know, they have lots of, they have a meetup for everything. If you like Tuesdays, I don't know, but there's a lot of things that, you know, that you can find common ground on and build on that. If someone were starting, say, a group like that, say it's around hiking, Mexican food, or I don't know, calligraphy, whatever topic you want, do you believe that the concept of having some amount of flexibility, but also needing some amount of quality control, I need to apologize. I hate using the term quality control that because that is implying that some people are not quality people when the real answer is it's just not the right fit. It's not that this person is not good. It's just that it's not the right fit at the right time. But that control, as opposed to, I think when a lot of people start up community groups, natural instinct is to say, I want to make it anything goes and anyone's invited. And I don't want to have to be the bad guy. I don't want to be the person that turns someone away. But as other people have told me, sometimes you do have to set that standard and apply it. I'm with you. It is hard to be the bad guy, but you do have standards that your group is expecting you to uphold. So for example, as you were talking about our new member process, all current members approve future members. So every new member goes through a small vetting process just to make sure they're not overlapping in anyone else's lane or industry and that they've come to at least one or two of our events or our meetings and uh, have gotten a chance to meet some of our other members because Mm -hmm. if they're receiving their application in their email and we're asking to approve and they're thinking, I've never even heard of this person. Yep. Do any of our events yet? Have I had a chance to meet them yet? I don't know. So that gives the new member definitely an opportunity to talk to some of our members. And then when they do apply, oh yeah, I've talked to them. I have, in fact, your response was, oh, like three or four people said, oh, I had a one-on-one with him already. And he's amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's really a nice quality control too, because we want to honor the members and make sure that they're feeling like they're being well taken care of. Then that gives them the opportunity to make sure that the group stays at a certain level of professionalism. And we know that these are all quality members that are coming into the group. And then you can refer business to them and you know it's gonna your referrals are gonna be well taken care of. I think one problem a lot of people 
end up having when it comes to say some of this hard work of denying or kicking someone out is that you see the disappointment right in front of you. You saw the two people you had to ask not to attend. You saw the disappointment right there. And what people aren't seeing if they were to say, go the other way is the disappointment that you're hoisting or instilling upon all the other members that are expecting a certain type of experience and then getting something else. And one of the examples I often think of quite a bit, and I don't know if this has ever happened in the seven years that you've been running Elevated Results, but the conversation hog, the person that just kind of steps on and talks about themselves for 45 minutes, and that can really take away quite a bit from the experiences of everyone else. Absolutely. That's exact example of a a non-fit because that person is not looking out for the best interest of everyone else. They're really in it for themselves. And that we all are. I mean, we all show mm-hmm. up yeah. events for ourselves, of course. But we also want to do it in a way that who can I help along the way? You know, givers gain and give first and that kind of thing. And it will come back to you. And that really is how we have survived and thrived. Oh, that's awesome. And from my limited experience over the course of two months, I see that you're still thriving even through a global pandemic. And as you mentioned before, the the Zoom fatigue that everybody's having. And once again, I apologize to you and all my other podcast guests for putting you all through another Zoom call to this recording. But every single member has a different vertical, has a different business. Mm -hmm. And your particular business is HR consulting or what you call PEO consulting. And you have some interesting ideas about workforce development, especially at the small and medium size of companies. So tell me what that is all about and how you're changing the world of work. Thank you so much. PEO is professional employer organization is what that stands for, for those of you that don't know. But we incorporate, we're really underlying everything that we do is HR compliance for our clients. But in the process of doing that, we offer large group benefits, multi-employer workers' comp policies, 401k policies. We have a great HRIS technology platform to bring all that together, bring some automation to our client's office, help remove some of that administrative burden for them. So it is HR consulting, but there are some people out there that's what their focus is, is HR consulting. That's Mm -hmm. all that's in that package. There's also people that just do payroll, people that just do benefits. So what we do is we bring all of those vendor relationships under one roof when it makes, Mm -hmm. we can leave things where they are, when it doesn't make sense. I've been in the PEO industry for 11 years now, and I just absolutely love what I do. HR for 20 plus years before that. Definitely my passion is around HR and I can really see the value that this service brings to small and medium-sized businesses and really helps them be successful. They don't have to think about HR compliance and hiring practices and termination practices when they're needed to term someone, that's not what they got into business for in the first place. And so is it safe to say that your motivation behind having this kind of internal satisfaction within this industry is helping all these other small business owners, entrepreneurs focus on their core motivation as opposed to all this HR compliance and some of the paperwork that oftentimes ends up distracting people from what they really need to do, which is build their business and serve their customers? Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's the core of it. Just for a quick point of reference, as far as the elevated results group network goes, would your vertical be all of HR or just specifically to PEO? 
It's been just specifically to PEO. We've had HR consultants in the group in the past. There's not currently one there now. That felt a little bit more confusing to some of the members. They would ask me, should I go to them or should I come to you? I have a question. But we also do have a payroll provider in the group. We have a benefits, employee benefits broker in the group. We have a workers' comp broker in the group. We have a 401k provider in the group too. So all those different facets of what we offer as a package sometimes doesn't make sense for companies. Maybe they're not ready for that. So I refer business to all of those people all the time because I meet companies that maybe are not a fit for the whole thing. And they might be, maybe they just need a great health broker or they just need a great payroll provider. And I know that they're going to be well taken care of by my referrals. Just shows another great aspect of this group and other groups like this, where you can say, okay, as opposed to just trying to get every piece of business, regardless of whether it's the right fit, people coming in and saying what you actually really need. Because for your particular solution, there's a specific point in a business's life cycle as it goes from seed to wherever you go after seed. I don't know all the terms, um, B series, C series, all that stuff. But there's a point where it becomes worthwhile and the most efficient solution to package all of HR solutions into one particular package, right? Yes. And it's different for different companies too. Some companies are ready for that with five employees. Talked to a business owner recently that has 65 employees and she joined a PEO when she had five employees. Oh, wow. Oh, she said, I would not be here today with my 65 employees if I didn't have that PEO partnership almost from the very beginning. So it helped her set the groundwork of the policies and the procedures and the steps to take when there's a new hire or a term or promotions or whatever. And then everything's been flowing where she doesn't have to recreate the wheel each time and wonder how to handle that. And she has had that partner all along and it's been a great fit for her. But some companies feel like they need to be larger than five to start with a PEO relationship, maybe 20 or 30 or something. But PEOs are here to assist small and medium-sized businesses whenever they feel like that's the perfect time. I think when they start getting those different vendor relationships before they get too deep into those vendor relationships, maybe. Mm-hmm. feel like it's hard to undo those, then that's maybe the perfect time to consider working with a PEO. And there's often cost savings involved. So with multi-employer policies that a PEO can offer, can often save money and offer like a Fortune 500 level benefits package that a small employer could not even get on their own. So oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, really a huge value when it makes sense. That definitely. And so would you say that PEO services in general are helping level the playing field in some ways between, because there is a discrepancy between what small, your 50 person, say 50 to hundred person company gets versus what a major employer with 10,000, 20,000 employees will get. Would you say you're helping level that playing field? Absolutely. In Colorado, it makes sense for me to say you could have a benefits package like Excel Energy. So we have to change the name of the sample when you're talking to someone in a different state. But yeah, that's definitely what we're here to do is help smaller employers feel like I can offer the big the benefits of the big employers too and attract and retain that top talent that the bigger employers are getting. Let me have some of those <laughs> too, because I need them for my business as well to help my business be successful. Just for a point of reference, I think Excel Energy has over 10,000. For anyone that doesn't live in Colorado that's listening, over 10,000 employees. So they're a huge employer. By what mechanism does the 50-person entrepreneur get that same level of health benefits, 401k benefits, all that other stuff? 
Yeah, well, my PEO has about 50,000 worksite employees under the PEO relationship. So all the different employers that have come together. So there's buying power there, as you can imagine, with the vendors when it comes to, we have this group 50,000 that needs a health plan. We have this group of 50,000 that needs a 401k or workers comp. So you can imagine the buying power that we have. And there are some PEOs that are much, much larger than us too, as well, Mm -hmm. that have even more buying power. But then of course, the bigger the PEO gets, sometimes the little guy gets lost in that giant, you know? Oh, wow. So they don't maybe get the attention they should get from a a big PEO, but there's all sizes and there's a lot of PEOs. And so lots of options for employers to consider. I consider myself a subject matter expert in PEO. I always love to consult with people just to figure out is PEO even the right fit for you? Or maybe you, like I said, just need a payroll provider that's better for you than, for example, I referred my church to our payroll provider that's in the group. Oh, wow. They were with a large payroll company, a national one, and they were not being well taken care of. They were paying a lot of money. I obviously care a lot about my church. I care a lot about my prospects and my, my <laughs> And I wanted them to have a really great experience. So I connected them with the payroll provider that's in our group. And they have been so happy. Every time the office sees me walk by, they go, oh, let me just tell you again. Oh my gosh, we love that payroll provider. They're amazing. So I love hearing those kinds of stories that that's the perfect fit for them. That's what they needed. They didn't need this whole package that I can offer and that's okay. It's all right. Yeah, that's good. And that reminds me of the whole idea of coming from a mindset of abundance versus scarcity, because the scarcity mindset says, I have to get everything I can get. Whereas the abundance mindset will often say, And I've actually had a big lesson in humility as far as the abundance mindset all year, because shamefully, I have to admit, I have not purchased any cryptocurrency. I have no Bitcoin. I have no Dogecoin or anything like that. And I was intrigued, but never pulled the trigger. And I watched it go up and up and up and up. And I had to practice my abundance mindset and saying, hold on, there are other opportunities when it comes to investing, or maybe there's going to be a new cryptocurrency that emerges. If I just keep my ears open, I don't have to sit here and look for every little dip in the Bitcoin chart. You know That ends up being kind of not always the best use of time. So it's good to come from a, a point of abundance. Now, when it comes to the approach to HR with a PEO, Does it vary from PEO to PEO or does it vary from, say, a standard approach to HR? Is there workforce development, workforce optimization, kind of success planning type of endeavors included? Yes, that's a great question. And again, like the larger PEOs may not be able to assist a client as well as a smaller PEO because of if they're in multiple states, for example, January 1 is a great example of all the employment laws that changed in all the various states. Colorado specifically had the Healthy Families and Workplaces Act, the Equal Pay for Equal Work Act, and those were very, very taxing on a lot of employers. But I also have clients in Arizona, for example, they didn't have either of those new laws, but they also started the recreational marijuana in Arizona, which, you know, now we're an expert in how to handle that. Everyone, almost every state that I have clients in has had changed to their minimum wage laws. And in Colorado, we had minimum wage laws change. We had Denver minimum wage law changed just for the city and it caused, and also for the state. Lots of intricacies there with employment laws. Some of the larger PEOs can't really keep up with, oh gosh, 
you have one, two employees in Colorado and five employees in Kansas and six in Arizona are where are all the employment laws changing that I need to update you about. They're not doing a great job of that. I talked to a company recently that just signed up with us. They're headquartered in Colorado, but a lot of their employees are in Ohio. Well, hmm. their current PEO is in Dallas. Oh, wow. Heard of all these new employment laws in Colorado. So they were like, our PEO hadn't told us about any of that stuff. So I'm like, well, it's April now and you've been, you're a little behind on getting all that in place. So let's make sure that you get up to speed on that right away. We do webinars all the time to help educate the community on employment laws, on COVID. There's a vaccine policy webinar coming up. So all kinds of education that we can share with the community just to help and just share our knowledge with everyone, whoever might need it. Nice. So you're able to kind of keep up with a lot more things going on. Yes. Provide value. We love that. Which is quite awesome. And then one last thing I wanted to cover as an HR expert, you said you've been in HR even before you started with PEO. Possibly some of my listeners are thinking about or in the process of starting up their own business and maybe everything's kind of in seed stage. And at that stage, people oftentimes are mostly thinking about the idea, marketing, development, but mostly developing whatever the idea is, fine-tuning it, determining what their target market is and stuff like that. At what point do you think people need to start thinking about HR and HR employer-related issues? Really, as soon as you start hiring people, And there are laws in different states when it comes to, like in Colorado, as soon as you hire one person, you have to have workers' comp coverage. That's not the case in every state. Oh, wow. You need to know what the mandates are. I hate for employers to get in trouble with workers' comp, with any of the employment laws, just because they don't know what's out there. So definitely speak with a PEO, with an HR consultant, someone that can really help provide guidance there. As soon as you start hiring one person, And I'm wondering, since obviously you said people should start thinking about HR workforce stuff as soon as they hire, have you ever had to say play cleanup for say a company that expanded 10, 20, even 30 people and just didn't think about anything related to workforce, anything related to HR. And then all of a sudden you realize that they're like a house of cards, like just to stacked something ready for one little thing to go wrong and just kind of topple the entire company. Yes, absolutely. So the first thing we do with a new client is work with them on their handbook, their policies, make sure that all that is in order. And we do completely clean up, make sure that all their taxes are done, data is correct. And we've had some clients that come in and their system is not easy to change simple things like job titles. So we had one new client recently that had all of their employees were the same job title. Oh, wow. The system was just difficult and it couldn't allow them to change it. So let's clean all that up as we're getting it into our system rather than just putting a bunch of junk in there that's not really accurate. And then like make sure everyone's in the right department. We also want to export for our clients. What exactly do you need for your accounting? Let's even put your chart of accounts in our system so we can export for you exactly what you need. So it's really specific, tailored to them, very clean going in. So then you can keep it clean once it's in there clean. A lot of people are talking about the rise of the gig economy and more and more people working, say, on freelance or part-time. How would that fit into the entire system? Is that something that needs a whole bunch of law changes before it becomes feasible? Or if someone wanted to, say, mostly hire fractional resources right now, how would their group health insurance or any of the other items that in the PEO world or in the HR world manifest? 
Yeah, I'd love to see more. You're right. There needs to be some help for that industry. I'd love to see more associations or something that can bring these people together, give them resources. I do know virtual assistants. There's a new Mm -hmm. company coming up every day. And it's awesome. I love that these people are doing that and are able to work from anywhere. A lot of companies I talk to too are, like you talk about the remote work in a regular industry, regular job. They don't have to relocate people anymore. They're like, you can stay right where you're at and work from where you are. Companies are more and more in multiple states. And that's really when a PEO can be helpful too. Back to that for a second. Yeah. Getting state accounts set up for taxes and workers' comp and all that craziness. But you're right. These people that are part-time in a certain industry, they're such a huge value to companies and individuals. They need benefits. They need help with their taxes. They don't need to be out there being an independent contractors. Maybe they do. But if there's a way for them to get grouped together and get some kind of buying power with benefits or a retirement plan, I'm sure they would love (laughs) payroll, you know, taxes paid on their behalf rather than having to pay them themselves. I do know there's a lot of associations out there for some of these groups. I'm not sure about what you specifically what you're talking about, but I do know there's a lot of associations out there that can bring groups together. Maybe there just needs to be more of those to help these people and I definitely hope that they find a solution. You know, as I kind of always say in this podcast, I just really hope that there are more options out for people for whatever you want. If you want to work a standard nine to five, you have that. But if you also want to be a fractional resource or a fractional resource for a few different companies at once, like my last guest, that that option becomes available to all of us. I love that. They're great at what they're doing and let's support them and let them do that. And I love it. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Tracy, thank you very much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes. I just want to remind all my listeners, first of all, to find your community, find the people that are going to encourage you, that are going to support you, and they're going to hopefully also, in a way, get you some leads, but most importantly, the people that will keep your mindset in the right place. Also, for those aspiring business leaders, aspiring entrepreneurs out there to as soon as you are hiring someone, as soon as it goes beyond just you or you and your partner, you need to start thinking about these HR issues because it is a blind side that could come back and bite you sometime later. And also stay tuned to Actions Antidotes for more episodes with people who are doing all sorts of things to bring our workforce into the future, pursue their own ideas, provide a better mindset, and create a happier and healthier society, hopefully in the near future. 